Today on the show, I'm really excited to welcome Rian Rietveld to talk about accessibility on the web. Rian works as a web accessibility specialist at Level Level, a digital agency in Rotterdam, and she's also a trainer with the Ally Collective, an online course platform teaching accessibility. Rian has been a very active part of the WordPress accessibility team for years and has even unlocked rockstar credits for some of her contributions to WordPress over the years. According to her own website, she lives in a pretty little town near the sea, and I must say that sounds pretty lovely. You can find Rian on Twitter at Rian Rietveld and on rianrietveld.com. Before we begin the episode, I want to tell you a bit about Branch. Branch is my business and the sponsor of this podcast. It's the simplest way to set up automated deployments for your WordPress sites. We've got your back with recipes for all the common workflows that the WordPress developers need, making it super easy and fun, honestly, to build out your deployment pipelines. It's continuous integration and deployment without the learning curve. And it's free to get started. So go check it out. And if you open up the live chat widget and identify yourself as a listener of this podcast, we'll double the amount of free deployments on your account. Yep, twice as many deployments without paying. You can sign up for free on branchci.com. I started this episode by asking Rian what accessibility means to her. Accessibility is making the web available for everyone and also on every device. Most people think, oh, accessibility, that's for blind people. But it's actually for all of us. When you get older and you're not so web savvy, you need to be able to operate a website. Or when you're colorblind, or when you cannot use your arms, or when you cannot use a mouse and only a keyboard. There are all different ways in people use the web and also understand the web. Not everybody understands all the fancy icons. So... Most people need more help than that. Um, Accessibility is very broad. So the purpose is involve everyone and not leave anyone behind. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I'm actually really excited to have this conversation. And accessibility in general is just something I actually think a lot about these days. So normally I wouldn't be, you know, someone who would need things to be like extra accessible. But I have a little baby right now. And when you're pushing around a stroller, when you're holding a baby with your one arm and using a device with the other, like there's just so many everyday situations where you're like, oh, this is actually really hard. Yeah. If you, let's say you only have one arm or you're in a wheelchair or just so many situations where you're like, okay, the people that built this, they did not have this issue that I'm having right now. Well, the point is websites are built mostly by young, healthy guys. And they don't realize that when they get older, things break. And then you need more than being healthy and having perfect eyesight or having perfect understanding on how the web works. Yeah, they probably speak English. As you said, like they're young and healthy, many of them. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So how is that manifested in the web today? Like what are some of the things that people are struggling with when websites aren't as accessible as they probably should be? A website must be operable with a keyboard only. And most web developers only test with a mouse. It works for me, so it works for everyone. But a lot of people use assistive technology to operate the web a different way. And then they got stuck because, well, they cannot use a mouse. I think developers also think from how they understand the web and not how someone else who doesn't understand the web experiences a website. 
So some interfaces are really complicated or make you guess a lot, like icons. What does an icon mean? Yeah, icons are really bad UI a lot of the time. I yeah, think. <laughs> I had a big difficulties with uh, Instagram to understand what all the icons mean because it's not really intuitive. And you think, well, I click this, what happens? And I click that, what happens? And it's just not really like, okay, I understand this interface. You must people help people understanding your interface and instead of like making them guess because you think it's really pretty to make something as minimal as possible. Yeah. And are people like, what, 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 what would I do here? So you have to guide them. Yeah. So one of the things I wrote down before our conversation is what it means to build an accessible website. And we're touching on that now, but is the process different? Like when a web developer starts to think more about accessibility, what kind of changes in their workflow? I guess they're using different tools maybe. There's more things that they'll need to be aware of, of course. Well, actually the process starts at the beginning. If you're an agency, you have a discussion with your client and the client has branding guidelines for color. And I have to check, can I use these colors for text on my website? Maybe they're gray on gray and most people cannot read that. And then you have to look at what for functionality will be there and discuss that with your client. Maybe you need plugins that are not accessible, then you have to build it in-house and that will be more costly. So it's a process. After that, the design starts, the wireframes, the style tiles, and they have to be checked for colors, for understandability, for is it a logical way of navigating? And then the design must be uh, understandable. And after that, coding starts. Well, I'm a big fan of HTML, just plain HTML. Most people use nowadays, put everything in a div and a span. But HTML is actually a language, a markup language, meaning. So invest in learning HTML. I think that's really something that needs to be done more. Developers go back to the roots. What does HTML mean? Yeah, and so one of the key things, I guess, is to use the right elements for the right things. Yeah. If you have a number input, use the number input. So that's signaling to all the different tools that might help someone what you're looking for in terms of input. And then as a developer, if you test with your keyboard, that that's everyone has a keyboard, all the developers. So that's easy. Use the tab key and see if you can access all focusable elements. There. Well, there's a ton of info about that. Yeah, that's interesting. You started by saying if you're an agency, you start by talking to your customer or your client. And that's kind of like another thing I wanted to talk about is kind of like the business behind this. I've heard cases in the US where companies are sued because their websites aren't accessible and they need to be. So I guess like, you know, if you want to work with bigger customers, it would just be part of the project would be to make sure that it's accessible because it's a legal requirement. But it also makes me think that, you know, the way a lot of WordPress developers start out as freelancers are, you know, just one person, maybe a, a younger person who starts to do small web projects and it kind of like grows organically from there. And maybe one day it turns into an agency. But early on, at, at least when I think back, like this wasn't something that was on my radar. And I guess kind of like what I'm asking is, is building like accessible websites, is it accessible to like smaller freelance shops and stuff like that? Or, or is it more like a job for like larger agencies where they have the resources to kind of like learn all these things about like which colors to use and stuff like that? 
Well, when you're a web developer, you study all the time. There's a new JavaScript framework. There's a new CSS property. We study all the time. So I think accessibility just is part of being a decent developer. And it takes time. You have to study, you have to learn, but it makes you a better developer. So your code will be cleaner. Your skills will grow. It takes time, but it also takes time for larger agencies and also for smaller agencies. It depends also on the project you choose. If you have something that's really complicated, well, that's probably harder to make accessible. So if you have like straightforward websites with a contact form and some information pages, that's, well, start there and try to figure out how to make that accessible. And that's not so hard. Yeah, and as you mentioned, like it's about coming back to the roots a bit and try to build things as simple as possible. Well, yeah, you don't have to build only very simple things, but go back to the basics of HTML and build on that instead of building everything in diffs and spans, because that's a trend I see more and more. And then you create it like a flat, meaningless code, and it only works for your eyes and the mouse. If you go back to basics, it's far more robust. Yeah, I mean, at least if you start there and then you can add stuff on top of that, like yeah. fancy JavaScript stuff yeah. and whatever you need. Yeah, and you can use JavaScript. It's like a misconception that you cannot use JavaScript for accessible websites. That's not true. You can use JavaScript. Why do people think they can't use JavaScript? Because that was like 15 years ago a standard. <laughs> and well, the web evolved, assistive technology evolved, so they... Screen readers, people who are blind use a screen reader. Then they get the website read out loud and they can operate with the screen reader. And they know JavaScript. They know CSS. So it's getting more and more advanced as the technology. So you can use CSS. You can use JavaScript. That's all perfectly okay. Yeah, that kind of makes me think like as developers, not so much in WordPress, but at least in many other developer communities, we do a lot of automated testing. Yeah. And... You know, I think those testing frameworks, they are built on top of like headless browser solutions and things like that. Yeah. And that's probably kind of like the same engine that is in a screen reader, I'll just assume. So maybe like that's a good test. Like if you can test your code in like an automated fashion, that probably means that it's readable by a machine. Or What happens for the screen reader is each browser has a DOM. So every element, the order, the processed code is in the DOM. And all browsers also produce an accessibility tree. And there are all the properties for all the elements, how to operate them. And screen reader reads the accessibility tree. Uh, there are really good tools for automatic testing uh, for accessibility. And one is X, is A-X-E. And you can use in the browser, but also automated in your yeah, workflow. So there are very good automated tests uh, yeah, Axis, someone mentioned that to me recently, actually, when I was doing a customer demo for Branch, and they were asking if they could use that. So it's actually something I'm looking to support in the product to do automated testing when you're deploying. Yeah. Right now, we support Google Lighthouse Suite. Yeah, and the fun part is Google Lighthouse Suite is based on X, uses the same engine. Okay, that's interesting. Would you say it's a good business choice to learn about building accessible websites? Because it, it feels like it's a selling point in and in itself. Even though it's something everyone ideally should be doing, it's not something that everyone is doing right now. 
Well, businesses are not made on empathy. So if you say it's very good for the people who you need it, they say, okay, let's show the figures on how that will profit me. I think avoiding a lawsuit is not really a good argument. But what is a good argument? You involve more people on your website. More people can use your website. So if you have a web shop, more people can order with you. So you have a higher revenue. Google is blind and deaf. So if Google can understand your website, it's better for your SEO. What always surprised me is that people invest a lot in a lot on SEO and don't care about what people do when they come on their website. Maybe 20% of the people cannot use it and leave. So if you invest in SEO and you build an accessible website, those 20% may stay and order with you. So it, it's about people, people using your website. So involve everyone. And then you have more people understanding and using your website. Yeah, that's really from the end customer if you're an agency, but even for the agency, like if you want to work with those customers that actually care about making their stuff accessible to not only the most able, then, you know, it's, it's a selling point that you as an agency can tell people that you could build websites that actually most people can use. Well, there's another example. It can save you a lot of money. The agency I work for, a level level, they build a website for a Dutch agency a website where you can ask questions about taxes. And there was a form uh, where you can ask questions, but there was also a telephone number. And the people who used the telephone number reduced a lot after we made the website accessible because people could use the form and didn't need to call. And that saves a lot of money for people who need to answer that call. So you don't have to use so much hours in answering calls. So that saves a lot of money. Yeah, support costs in general. Like, yeah, that's a really good point, actually. A very like current topic right now is that the World Wide Web Consortium famously decided to no longer use WordPress for their own website. And they switched to, I think, Craft CMS. I think what it came down to was accessibility. And not necessarily like talking too much right now about like accessibility and WordPress, because it's something we're going to talk about a little bit later in this conversation. But that's a pretty strong signal, the deciding factor between one of the most important, at least from like a signaling standpoint, websites choose another framework because of this. Yeah. You talked a little bit about how screen readers work. I'm understanding more and more of this now. And as I told you before we started this conversation, this isn't really something I know a lot about and I should know a lot more about it. So I'm glad to learn. But it's not only about screen readers, it's just about making your stuff easier to use. <laughs> and uh, of course, like screen readers is a part of that. But with my like ignorance, when I thought about accessibility, you know, when I started hearing about it a few years ago is probably when it came to my attention. As you said, like I thought about blind people and then kind of like the way I saw it like manifested when I used, let's say, Bootstrap to build my websites was all these area tags. So area is another thing we have to be aware of, right? I saw a slide in one of your presentations that said you had the number one rule of area. So can you explain what area is and what the number one rule about it is? Okay, first rule of area is don't use area. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I see that a lot. People use diffs and spans, add a lot of area into it and try and hope for the best. Like if I use a lot of area, well, it probably should work. But And what is the area? 
are there attributes you can use, can add to your elements, to your HTML5 elements that give information to screen reader users? For example, you can put on a button an area expanded and that toggles to true and false. And for example, if that button opens a menu and the menu is open, then it's a button, menu, and expanded. If you said an area expanded is true, then it announces expanded. So button, menu, expanded. So the screen reader knows, the user knows, if the menu is open or not. So if they tap further, they go inside the menu. So it gives extra information. For example, in Select 2, I see a lot of band-aids and trying to make just divs work like a button and a select drop down really all made in divs and spans to make it work like the native HTML5. So you can use area, for example, area hidden is true. If you have, for example, an icon you want not to be pronounced by a screen reader, you say area hidden is true, then the screen reader omits it. Expanded, uh, true or false, that's really useful to give information if a menu is open or closed. So there are area attributes that are really useful, but don't use them to fix broken HTML. That's actually what the rule means. So the solution is to take a step back and figure out what this element actually needs to be and find the right HTML element. Yeah, it's often done for design purpose, like the designer comes up with a very fancy new form of presenting a form control, for example, and then you have to disable everything that's there and build something from scratch. You have to discuss this with your designer before you do something like this, because if you build a custom component completely with distance spans in ARIA, you have to do so much testing to actually prove that it works on a screen reader, on a keyboard, on voice recognition software. Right. So one thing you're saying here is planning for accessibility and learning about accessibility is something that kind of affects the whole product team and not just the developers, but also the project managers and the designers, because it's going to be an integrated part. Yeah, And the content writers. Yeah. So if you add like images to your content, give it a good alternative text describing what's on the image. So people who are blind also know what's on the image. Yeah. One of the other episodes in this season of the podcast, we talk a lot about diversity. And one of the things we talked about with diversity is it's just a good way to have more eyes on these things. So like if no one has any disabilities or anything like that on your team, you probably won't notice like all the errors you're making. But the more like diverse team you have, like the better chance that someone has realized that this is probably a bad idea to do it this way because that won't work for people like me, for example, or I know this person. And Well, I kind of differ in your opinion. I think people with a disability are good for usability testing. We have the web content accessibility guidelines. These are a set of guidelines your website needs to comply to a set of success criteria. So as a non-disabled person, you can, if you check all the guidelines, see, okay, my code is accessible or my design is accessible or my content. Yeah. And then you can ask someone with a disability, like, can you use this? Because you cannot put a burden on, for example, code errors on someone who has a disability because they are not designers, they are not developers. So it's an end test, like, okay, I've built this, it's accessible, can you use this? Or 
are there things I didn't think of like in the process that you get stuck on? Yeah. Well, I guess my point is more like you mentioned content writers, like if the person writing the content doesn't know anyone who has a disability or is never is forced to think about like how the world is for someone who has a disability, they just might not think about it. Like even if they should, and even if there should be a checklist, but you know, like just in general, like in your life, like the more diverse group of people you're around or like with our word camps and our WordPress meetups and stuff like that, just in general, like the more diverse group of people we have, the more we'll just be aware of some of these things. And I think WordPress is actually one of the communities I see doing a pretty good job of being pretty inclusive. Yes. Even though there's probably room for improvement. Well, I think it's not a coincidence that most accessibility people are older people because they encounter more in their life and they see, okay, not everybody is young and healthy, um, yeah. including myself then. So when you get older, stuff breaks and you meet people, more people. So Yeah, that really makes a lot of sense. One thing I've heard, and I, it's not from my own experience, so it might not be true, but something I've heard is some of these accessibility tools are quite inaccessible in terms of they cost quite a lot of money. I know someone who's working on a CSS framework and they want to test stuff maybe for accessibility and they want to try to use a screen reader themselves just to kind of see what the experience is like. And from what I understood, that's not so easy actually because some of these tools are hard to get your hands on because they're expensive. I don't know, is that true? Is that something you've heard as well? or is In the Mac, you have a voiceover that's a built-in screen reader. Okay. That's free. So it's built in. That comes with a, a training. For Windows, you have NVDA. That's an open source project and that's a free screen reader. And if your stuff works in those, that's a good, at least. Well, that's, that's a good place test. to start. Yeah. Um, if you're a developer, I think that that's enough to, or NVDA or voiceover, to actually get a hang of it, of how things work. And they improve with every new release. But there's also like professional screen readers like JAWS, and JAWS is very expensive. And people who are blind, I know, use NVDA or JAWS. And NVDA is open source free and JAWS is rather expensive. So if you are blind yourself, you may need equipment that can do more. In the Netherlands, we have also a program that is a combination between Zoom and a screen reader. So you can enlarge and you have a screen reader and that's also costly. As a developer, I think VoiceOver and NVDA is enough to test. And that's both free. That's some really good tips right there. And we will make sure to link to those tools in the show notes of this episode. And I think if you're using those, like you're probably doing more than most. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. Uh, recently in uh, Mac in Catalina, we, there is a voice recognition software built in. Okay. For Windows, you have Dragon, Dragon naturally speaking, and that costs a lot of money. It's relative. Like if you are an agency, maybe you can just afford like a license on those tools if you want to. So you work at a larger agency and your role is to be a web accessibility specialist. You know, if you have a government agency as a customer, will they ask questions about this? And will you basically have to prove to them that what you build is accessible because it's used by the general population? Yes, you have to prove because in Europe, like in EU, a government website need to be accessible. 
also public service website needs to be accessible. And there was a deadline like September uh, 23 this year where it needs to be or accessible or you have to prove like what you're doing for accessibility. And then all the clients we got from the government were asking, can you build accessible and can you prove it? So you have to also have a, like a portfolio of website where you prove that you can build accessible. That's really a requirement. You cannot get a job if you don't prove that you can do it. Yeah. So, you know, it's just a requirement like GDPR and other things we have to deal with and abide to by the law. Out of the box, if I do a WordPress project, how accessible is it just out of the box? And is WordPress a good starting point for building an accessible website or are there things to be aware of? <laughs> you have to separate the front end from the admin. You can build a perfectly accessible front end. If you use, for example, the bundle themes like 20, 20, oh yeah, 20, 20, those are all accessible. Before you start touching them and making them inaccessible with all your... You can ruin the accessibility with your content. As a base, the bundle themes are accessible, so you can use them. And then there is the accessibility tag on the themes in the repository, themes repository. Some have the accessibility ready tag. They are not really proven 100% WCAG 2.1 AA accessible, but they build with accessibility in mind, so they pass some basic criteria. And then there are some builders who build accessible websites and themes. And then in the admin, now famously Gutenberg had a lot of challenges with accessibility. Yeah. Can you explain to me with my ignorance, like kind of what is some of those challenges? Because it feels like in Gutenberg, there's a lot of shortcuts and stuff you can do with your keyboard and things like that. But that doesn't necessarily mean it's super accessible, I guess. What I understood from people who are using like a screen reader or a keyboard only, it takes a long learning curve and it's not intuitive. I left accessibility team like two years ago, so I cannot give really up to date about how it is. But what I hear is that development goes on and on and on and on without really fixing what's broken. All new features are added without really consulting the accessibility team. I think they must work together more, like involve the accessibility team in the decision-making about how things are approached and stop developing new stuff before the old stuff is fixed. I think also sighted people can use a mouse like are bombarded with changes and new features and things change all the time. That instability and that constant change also confuses people. Yeah, that's unfortunate, of course that ambitions for the how fast we can release or go to the next phase of Gutenberg takes precedence over fixing all the accessibility issues. Does uh, the website become more accessible if you switch to the classic editor? I don't know. <laughs> I okay. think the classic editor is way easier to operate, but because it's two years ago, we have two years of Gutenberg now, I think. All WordPress itself changed also much yeah. I don't know if the classic editor still fits in it in the time being. I don't know. We're all supposed to use Gutenberg these days, so of course it should be accessible. Yeah, but I don't have all the answers about that. When I saw the development, it was really like speed up the development. Everything must be implemented fast. And we, we look later at how to make it accessible. And that's not really the right path to go. Yeah. It needs to be built in from the start. 
And that's something that's really uh, didn't work out well. But basically, when someone discounts WordPress because of accessibility for a project, but the accessibility is more a concern on the front end, there's no issues necessarily with WordPress. Like you could build a perfectly fine accessible website on the front end at least, but not necessarily the most accessible experience for the people who has to log into the website and edit the content. Well, that may be a problem for like in the US for schools or universities when they demand that all the tools you use also are accessible. For, there must be someone who's blind be able to maintain a website. So, and these are requirements too. If something works somewhere and has to maintain a website and is blind or cannot use a mouse, they must be able to do the job too. And that's where WordPress doesn't perform that well. So have you seen people when they ship a WordPress project actually make any changes themselves to the editor or to the backend of WordPress? No. To make it more accessible? No, well, they use the classic editor then. Okay. But I don't know how long that will be. Yeah, how long that will be supported. You train people in how to make accessible website, right? With the Ally Collective. Did I pronounce it correctly? Yeah, Ally, Ally, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> it's A11I. <laughs> A11Y. <laughs> Which is the short version of accessibility, I guess. I get the name now uh, after you explained it to well, me. It's uh, an A with the word accessibility is 11 letters. And you have the first and last of it's 13 letters and then 11 letters in between, like internationalization, U-E-18-N. Yeah, so it's part of the Ally Collective. And can you tell people a bit about what that is and what you do there? Well, my main passion is teaching people how to build accessible. And I was repeating the stories over and over again. And I thought, well, maybe I should record it and make it into lessons. Like if there's a developer and he's asking a question, I'll follow that course and then you know it. So I took the time to really develop good lessons uh, together with the team of Level Level, of course. We have a great graphic designer who did a complete course about graphic design. And we want to extend that more and more. There will be soon a course about accessible code. And that's really an overview of everything you need to know if you're building accessible and we want to expand that with masterclasses, like masterclass about ARIA or maybe about forms or maybe about models. So I can point people to a place like if you want to know it, if you want to learn it, go there and you get a certificate. <laughs> yeah, and it's really my passion to teach people. And this is really a good tool. And I found a great team in Level Level to do that together. Really a team effort. It's really nice. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's, probably one of the first places people should go if they want to learn more about this to watch some of the courses there and start learning how to build more accessible websites. I think this is probably all we have time for for this episode, but I think this was a really good introduction to accessibility and hopefully we can inspire some people to dive into the topic a bit more and educate themselves. If you were going to give any parting advice where people can go to learn more, we just mentioned the Ally Collective, anything you want to plug or mention to people before we end here? If you're a developer, I want to please ask from you, learn HTML5 deeply because that's the basics. And for a designer, 
make a design you can read from the top down instead of putting all the elements everywhere on the page. Make it a logical story from the top down. And for content managers, actually the same. Make it a logical story and don't assume people can see the whole screen like maybe you do. So put yourself in the place of someone who is not that web savvy and not that healthy and not that young as you are. That's really great advice. Okay. <laughs> Ryan, thank you so much for taking the time today and I really appreciate it. Thank you.